I'm Sinead O'Moore and you are listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. From fertility to birth, careers, relationships and to taking care of ourselves, here we talk about the real experiences of parenthood. The love, the loss, the unexpected and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months. Water Wipes winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Louise McSharry is a broadcaster, podcaster, writer and a leading voice. She is a mother of two boys and here we dive into the culture of not feeling enough. We flip the switch on letting ourselves go and she speaks honestly about the crippling sense of guilt and shame she felt when breastfeeding just didn't work. The narrative in our own heads can get pretty harsh as we weave our way through the season of our lives. This season where we are so afraid to get it wrong, where we try our absolute best and where we have no clue how to get it right. This episode is an honest catch-up with Louise McSharry, and it's one our inner critics all need to hear. Louise, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. I am a massive fan from afar and it is an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have your time. I know you're extremely busy putting together this week's show. Um, if you're not listening to Louise's podcast that comes out every Friday, what are you doing? Uh, it's a wonderful <laughs> chance for you to catch up on everything that is happening in the world. And that is what I want to do with you today, to just catch up on what's going on for you in motherhood. Mm. Well, thank you so much for having me and for speaking so kindly about me and the podcast. I mean it, though. I mean, it's it's uh, I suppose I'm, I'm an admirer of any woman, of any mother, of any parent that is striving to still do the things that they love mm. amidst all of the challenges that exist in a workplace, but also in a home place. Yeah. Um. It's not easy to keep doing what we want to do when there is this pull and push to feel like such levels of obligation towards the people that we love, yeah. which are, of course, our children. Yeah. Just before I came on to do this with you, I had I was doing an interview for my podcast and um, the person I was interviewing was coming to my home, um, which I'm doing kind of every once in a while at the moment. And let me tell you the stress of having your house ready for anyone at any time. <laughs> in my life is is intense and I literally spent two hours 
like, you know, well, I, I got sidetracked with a pumice stone and a toilet and I, we, I won't bore you, but I ended up spending two hours kind of getting the house ready. And, um, when, when she came, she was saying, oh, you know, it's lovely. And I was like, oh, thanks very much. Mm. I said, uh, I want to, what I want is a trad wife. I don't know if you're familiar with this trad wife movement online of like these women who, um, you know, voluntarily and absolutely willingly kind of live by traditional wifely, you know, duties and roles. And I was saying, I want a trad wife in my home to take care of all of the domestic stuff, because that's the stuff that I really can't abide. Um, but I do certainly find that balancing all that is, is really hard. It's hard to run a house and, you know, be a good parent and have a career. And if you want to try and have a social life as well, like it's, I mean, I never feel like I'm achieving all of that at one time. I do sometimes feel and look as feminist as I am. The the concept of us being able to pursue and have it all. They forgot about who was going to do the things that we no longer had the time to do. Well, it should and be there's men. This expectation, <laughs> yeah, but there's still this expectation that this magical... Yeah this magical system still operates. And I'm not talking about, of course, look, our, our duties are split right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, of course, the men have stepped up. I certainly mm. hope in most households at this mm-hmm. point. But there are still things that, you know, they are still working full time. We are mm-hmm. trying to work full time. We have children. There is yeah. a certain level of obligation. Like, the, you know, we still need to be the people that might be dropping them off somewhere, yeah. picking them up somewhere, making sure that there is a swimsuit for the swim class at a quarter past two that you simply cannot find. Yeah. And you're in the middle of a meeting and it just kind of kicks off and you're like, yeah, I am a strong, capable, functioning woman. Yeah. Why is this breaking me? I know. And I I know I agree with you. Like, I mean, there's too much. There is too much. Something has to give. And, you know, we need to give ourselves permission, I think, for some things to be compromised. And, you know, only you can decide what your priorities are and what that thing is going to be. For me, it's my house. Like my house is a mess all the time and I hate it. And it, and I don't get me wrong. It really gets to me. Like sometimes I kind of lose it. And then I'm like, you know, a cleaning tornado for a few days, but like, you know, at the end of the day, when I look at my life and I'm like, well, what's going to give, you know, having a perfect house is the thing that I'm willing to let go of. Not that I would ever have a perfect house, but you know what I mean? That's the thing that I'm willing to let go of over, you know, I would rather be out with my kids at the weekend than at home doing jobs. You know, I would rather, you know, manage to get out for an evening, say, or, you know, sit down in the evening with my husband than be in the kitchen, I don't know, tidying a press. So, you know, for me, that's the the bottom tier, but it, but that does mean that it doesn't get done. So, you know, there's just, it's not possible to do everything. It's just not possible. Are your children happy in that chaos though? Because I genuinely think mine are. I think the oh, worse yeah. the place is, the happier they actually are. Sure, they don't even notice. Like it's not even, you know, they're completely unfazed. Um, you know, certainly if I've gone through one of my cleaning fevers, um, you know, they notice that. And like I recently, the bathroom had been a bit chaotic for a while. See, I have the added element, and I'm not complaining. Like I would never complain about this, but because I write a beauty column, um, I get deliveries like almost every day of products for testing and trialing and stuff. So that can be a little bit hard to manage because they build up and the packaging builds up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the bathroom had become like a product. It was like a emporium. (laughs) 
<laughs> but but less tidy yeah. and you know and recently I did a big clear out and my son was like let's try and make it make, and keep it like this and I have noticed he's been putting like his toothbrush mm. and his toothpaste back like in the exact right spot ever since and I'm like oh god this poor child is probably craving some sort of order but no I mean it's not important to them it really isn't and I, and I certainly you know I didn't grow up in a house that was perfect all the time and you know if like I, I remember going to a friend's house, you know, when I was a, a little kid and it was really chaotic and my, my biological mom would have kept things. My memory of that house is that it would have been very like kind of tidy and clean all the time. And I remember going to someone else's house and it was total chaos. And at first being like, oh my God, this is like wild. Like, you know, I can't believe it's like that. But then realizing that it meant that I could kind of just play a little bit more freely. <laughs> so, or that's how I felt anyway. And I'm not saying every, obviously every kid wouldn't feel that way in that situation, but yeah, I don't think it's, you know, for us, it's definitely not top of the priority list. Um, because as you say, there's, you just can't do it all. You can't. What is on the priority list when it comes to trying to make sure that there's some, yeah, like there's lots and lots of joy. There's just lots of happiness, that it is a happy home. Um, For us, it's about getting out of the house. Like we don't spend a lot of time at home. Um, You know, my older son, my younger son would be happy now. He's just beside, he's three. So he's just beside me all the time, like whatever I'm doing. So like I got out of bed last Saturday morning and I changed all the bedding in all the beds took me like an hour and a half because my son was beside me the whole time helping (laughs) air quotes and you know asking me questions and asking me to do things and like I that's I enjoy that you know that's no problem I don't mind that at all but my older son is in he needs to be busy like he just can't stay at home he doesn't play on his own really um, and like at one stage I would have like agonized over that, but I, I don't anymore. Like he's just, they're two different kids. Ted spent half an hour yesterday moving cushions around the kitchen, like in different areas and making different beds. And then the bed was a bus and then the bed was this and the bed was that. Sam's not like that. Like, you know, if you give Sam a workbook, he will sit down and work through that workbook and he'll really enjoy it. But like, he needs a task, you know, or he needs to be out, out of the house. So for us, you know, it's, it's being out the door on a walk, on a cycle, you know, at the playground, like a lot of the kind of same stuff, but as long as we're active, they're happy. Um, and I always have two tired boys at the end of the day. And that's the thing for him, you know, and we've gotten him into, he's just started jujitsu and he's really enjoying that. And, you know, he needs to be busy. So that's really what it's about. So for me, the weekend, like I would very rarely be anywhere during the day on a Saturday or Sunday without the kids, you know, that's because during the week, you know, I get invited to a lot of events um, as part of my work. And I would say, I say no to about 90% of them. Sometimes that's really hard. You know, like I really did want to go to the screening of the Julia Roberts, George Clooney film the other night. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I know that if I tell my kids I'm not going to be there for bedtime, they're not going to be happy. I'm going to feel guilty. It's going to be conflict. So like, I have to be really careful about what I decide I'm going to go and do. Um. So during the week, I might be gone maybe once or twice, or I might be gone one evening of like at the weekend, but like during the day at the weekend, that's their time. Um, you know, unless there's something really, really important that has to be done, um, or something really, really fun that I just absolutely can't resist. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's just about, I mean, for us, I guess it's just about having that family time at the weekend is the most important thing. This podcast is just one way that every mom can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. 
To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. You spoke there just about, I suppose, part of your job is being glamorous. Part of your job <laughs> is having that opportunity to explore the mm. wonderful elements of beauty and fashion and style and culture and, you know, finding out what's happening in the world and then reporting it back to us. Motherhood interrupts that. <laughs> Motherhood mm-hmm. interrupts beauty. Motherhood interrupts hate the phrase but self-care like Mm. you know it's not self-care to be able to have a shower that is not self-care that is primary primary care um but it's hard it is and 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 again I suppose going back to a certain level of um expectation and what's put out into the world is that we are to still look put together we are to still look you know when we're even in the park at the weekends with our kids hanging out of us that there's a certain level of like yes but I'm I selected this outfit as opposed to, well, it was the only thing that didn't have yogurt on it actually yeah. this morning. And, and in fact, it probably still does because there's something in my pocket that's yeah. three, three day old banana skin. <laughs> and we go with it because actually like when we're in, when we're in it, it doesn't mm. matter. You know, mm. when we're really in it, it doesn't matter. But then there are times where we kind of catch a glimpse and go, and go where is she gone? Mm. Where is she gone? It's funny. My husband was said he was at the playground recently with the lads and um, he came home and he said he was looking around the playground Mm. and he was looking at the difference between the moms and the dads. And he said, you know, the moms all looked, you know, together like, you know, they were casual wear, but like, you know. And then the dads all, you know, basically he, he was telling the story because he said the dads all kind of looked like slobs. And then a really well-dressed dad came in and he was like, you're ruining it for the rest of them. <laughs> I thought it was funny because I think there is a, a real difference in the kind of, I mean, as there is in every other area of lives, you know, in pressure, uh, there's a difference between the pressure that women experience in terms of how we mm. appear and the, and what men experience. And yeah, I have to say, I definitely like, I think, you know, the term, oh, she's really like, she's really let herself go um, is usually a negative, but I think I have let myself go. And I actually view that as a positive. Like, you know, once upon a time, I would not have gone outside without mascara on. Like, I mean, I genuinely wouldn't because I've got really blonde eyelashes and they basically disappear if I'm not wearing them. Um, and tints only last me a few days, guys. I, I've, I, people are always like, would you tint them? And I'm like, I'd be flat out. I'd be tinting them every five minutes. Um, but anyway, you know, I really genuinely would not have left the house without that. And these days I I mostly leave the house without makeup on. Like, you know, uh, mo- I work from home. So I really, most days during the week, uh, you know, I have the odd day where I obviously have to go somewhere and then I'll put on a proper outfit and put on some makeup and stuff. But like, if I'm just dropping my kids off or, you know, we're going to the playground or, you know, whatever it is, I'm, I'm not doing a full face. No, same at all. And Yeah. And I don't, you know, and a lot of the, yeah, I have tried to buy casual clothes that I really like Mm. so that I still feel like myself you know when I get dressed um but you know they're very casual I'm still in tracksuits and t-shirts you know what I mean like I'm not um I don't put a lot of pressure on myself in those terms but yeah sometimes a long time goes by where I don't have a reason to get dressed up and then when I do get dressed up I'm like oh yeah and it does feel a little bit like a return to self um but yeah I my life is a lot less glamorous than it used to be (laughs) a lot less those moments are important though and unlike you I months years might even go by without that need to kind of have some time to like do something for you in the mirror Mm. like you know 
and and you you go out into the world and all of a sudden you're like oh I think I remember this mm. I think I remember feeling this way and that mm. and I I'm like you I'm trying to no I'm trying to I fully have actually I fully have embraced that I'm not the same mm. and I don't see that as letting myself go actually I but I, it's funny because something. I think you can look at even just if you look at the words like yeah why do we say letting yourself go is go where like like why is that negative like letting yourself go to me sounds like freeing yourself yeah. so like, you know I I don't view it as a negative I view it as a yeah I've relaxed a little bit <laughs> where's or the harm I've I, I've seen what else is important yeah where else my time can go yeah and actually it's kind of a I probably would have dressed a certain way or mm. or or made myself look a certain way for the approval and kindnesses of strangers yeah and now it's like well actually I have all of this love now in this room and they don't care mm. and maybe that's the same way I have with my house <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't care mm. if I haven't updated my throws in several seasons <laughs> sorry I'm I, we're just at like, such different levels I'm like they don't care that I haven't hoovered for two weeks yeah. it's fine <laughs> my throws have not been updated believe me in a very long time but then every once in a while I get like I have like one corner of this room that I'm in right now and I'm like that's mm. my corner I like that corner like that corner is okay if I could just keep that corner okay at least I know that I'll get there eventually because that's the thing for me is that like all this stuff is temporary and you know even for like where we are Sam is nearly, Sam will be six in a week and a half. No, Sam is six next week. Um, Ted is three and a half. So like, you know, I'm starting to see, you know, a glimpse of a future where things will be different and you will mm. be able to tidy up and it won't be immediately destroyed or, you know, we, you know, we're starting to give the, the yeah. lads jobs so that they can help contribute to the house as well. Stuff like that. So you know, if, if you can just keep your eye on your tidy corner or, you know, get yourself, if, if, it, if wearing like, you know, an nice outfit and putting on a face is something that's, you know, helps you feel like yourself. If you can do that every once in a while, just remember that that person is in there. I feel like we can just mm-hmm. get through it. Like, cause sometimes it is about getting through it. Like I'm not a saver every moment kind of gal, you know, I know that there are lots of women who really feel like they, they want to you know, enjoy every moment, savor every moment, every cuddle, every hug. And I'm not like that. And in many ways, I wish I could be more like that, but I'm definitely someone who, you know, when things are tough, I'm like, this is tough. and I don't want to savor this. You know, I am looking forward to a time where, you know, there isn't a meltdown over what clothes are being worn in the morning or you know I didn't get a new jumper and I did get a new jumper and you know well actually that probably will never end but you know that, what I that's mean that's you and, and the boys. some of the yeah <laughs> some of the the less reasonable things that that kids melt down over you know I can see that that's going to end but I think it's important to acknowledge that it is tough when it's happening I saw an article that you wrote actually recently which was on the like you're five years in and you know less now than you assumed you would you know Mm. and I think there's something in that that when we're going through the phases and stages there probably is a level of optimism and hope that the next Mm. one will be a little bit easier and a Mm. little bit you know you'll you'll find your feet um 
but like you've never had a six-year-old no so you're gonna enter into well how do I parent a six-year-old because I've never done this bit before yeah well like I mean that article I think what I was what I was kind of saying was that like you know before you become a parent I think you think you know a lot about what it's like to be a parent and then once you start parenting you're like oh I know nothing like I mean literally nothing I know less than nothing about how to do this and I was so confident because I'm 15 years older than my youngest sister so like I did have you know I, I helped a lot with with my my youngest sister changed a lot of nappies, went on a lot of walks, rocked her to sleep many, many, many times. So like, I felt like, oh no, I know what this is going to be like, but you don't, you know, because the reality of it is so like total, it just completely takes over your life in a way that you can't, you know, I'm sure we've all had these conversations, like nothing can prepare you for it. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, I mean, you are learning all the time and, and, and the assumptions, like, I, I suppose I probably live making assumptions about like, oh, well, they don't, won't do that anymore. And then they do, or they, there's a new thing, a new issue that replaces it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's as straightforward as things just continue to get easier because new things present themselves all the time, but I sure isn't a change as good as the rest. <laughs> like, what, what was the biggest, like, uncertainty, I suppose? What was the biggest thing when you arrived into it that you were like, this, this I did not know? Um, I think like all of it, you know, um, I, a friend of mine described it as it's like, you're walking along and then you walk into a room and a door slams behind you and you can never go back. And it was that element of it, which seems stupid not to realize that, but like that realization of, oh my God, like this is forever now. Like I am a mom forever I I will never casually and selfishly make a decision again because you can't or certainly not for a long time you know I think it was that realization that like every single thing I decide everything I do I will have to factor in this person or these people as it as it turned out to be um and you know that was tough for me to kind of get my head around. Um, the, I the autonomy. That, yeah, just like, you know, it is a change in terms of your freedom. I mean, it is. Um, and it's tricky to talk about this stuff, I think, because people, you know, there's always people who are quick to criticize and say, oh, sure, you knew what you were doing or like, you know, it's selfish or whatever. And like, yeah, it is selfish, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. You don't, you know, you're losing the opportunity to be selfish. And now, of course, there are some parents who continue to be selfish. And obviously, you know, fortunately, those are in the minority, but like, like you really have to, your whole life changes in such a significant way. And so I remember kind of sitting at home the first week and just being like, oh my God, like, what have I done? Really feeling that way. Now I was like, I ended up having like postnatal depression. I was, my hormones were going crazy. Like there were loads of factors, but I really found it hard to get my head around that. It took me a year, I think, to settle into that. And then I also, the other thing I would say was breastfeeding. I really, um, really, really struggled with breastfeeding in a way that I would not have predicted because my mom had breastfed my two sisters. And as I say, I was old and, you know, when they were born, I'm nine years older than my other younger sister. So I had seen her do it very successfully. And I just assumed I would be the same and I wasn't. And that was really hard because that felt like a kind of failure um, of motherhood. Um, And it took me a long time to forgive myself really for that or to kind of realize that it wasn't a failure, that it just, you know, it just happened and that these things happen. 
which impact a lot of women. Like you hear, mm. you know, the assumption that vaginal delivery will just become so natural and our mm. bodies will know what to do. And mm-hmm. then when a C-section happens, it's like mm. already from from that gate, mm. you're like, I'm I, I'm not I'm not living up to my mm. expectation of who I was going to be at, in this role. Mm. Same here, like with breastfeeding, the. The assumption, again, that it's, it's this natural ability and all you want, all your hormones are designed to do in that moment Mm. is feed your child mm-hmm. like because that's survival your body doesn't know that there's tesco down the road that can yeah. sort this out so when while you're while you feel like you're failing it's so hormonally fueled to to propel you to be like no keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it well also like i mean I had decided I, I was always going to breastfeed. Like that was never, it was for me, it was just like, I'm absolutely going to do this. Um, and I really believed genuinely that anyone who didn't succeed in breastfeeding wasn't trying hard enough. Yeah. Like that's what I thought. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Like I had made so many assumptions about like, you know, if, if you were, that it was, you know, the right thing to do for your child. And that like, you know, you, you were, or I, I I didn't even project it on other people, but for me personally, Mm. that like, if I, if I wasn't doing it, I was a bad mother. Like that was, or I was failing or I was like really letting him down. And I, I believed it so deeply that like it ended up really, really messing me up and really Mm. being a big factor in my postnatal depression. And it really damaged my bonding with Sam. Um, because I started to resent him because the feeding was so difficult. Um, and, you know, I also didn't feel like I could go to like mother and baby groups because they all revolved around breastfeeding. And I was like, well, I can't turn up there with a bottle because everyone else will judge me because I'm not feeding like the shame and the guilt. Like it, it, I'm sure there was a, there were home hormones as well, but it was also social, you know, there was, there was a social pressure that I had bought into now since then. I have always been super open about my experience of breastfeeding because I hate to think of other people being in the same situation that I was in feeling so totally alone. Like what I needed was I needed someone to say, it's okay to stop. You will be fine. Your baby will be fine. Like it's okay. And I, and I, my husband says he did say that to me, but I don't remember. So either I just wasn't even able to hear it, which I totally believe is a possibility or he didn't, but whatever. I needed someone to kind of look me in the eye and say, you need to think about what is best for you and your general well-being and your baby's general well-being and you being this stressed out, exhausted, resentful, you know, bitter mother is not doing either of you any not favors. So Mm-hmm. No, but I couldn't, I just couldn't get there. So because I struggled so much, I really try and talk about this very openly, you know, whenever I get the opportunity and, and, in, and that includes with any mother who has the misfortune to know me when they have a new baby, because I'm always like, how are you getting on? It's fine. If it's not going well, <laughs> like, um, you know, because I, I just don't want other women to feel that pressure because I just really felt so alone. And I felt like nobody you know, there was nobody around to say you're okay. And um, because, you know, the breast is best message is so intense and strong. And like, obviously, you know, there are amazing benefits to breastfeeding and I, I am totally pro best breastfeeding. And I really wish I had been able to do it successfully, you know, for a long time, but I wasn't. And, you know, I want mothers to know that, you know, it, 
if it's not working, that's okay too. And, you know, breastfeeding is best, but not if it's at the cost of your mental health or your relationship with your baby, you know, you know, there are certain prices that you may have to pay in order to make breastfeeding work. And I'm saying that in air quotes, um, that are not worth paying, you know, when we have other options, you know, that, that will be fine, (laughs) you know, and yes, they don't have the same the same exact benefits. And, and obviously I still would prioritize breastfeeding, but like, you know, you have to weigh up the cost and work out whether or not it's worthwhile. And I wish I hadn't given myself such a hard time about it. It's, it's, it's such a raw conversation for so mm-hmm. many women. And it's, it's one that if you choose not to breastfeed, if you have absolutely no desire to breastfeed, mm-hmm. if if, you know, if you always intended on bottle feeding and then those that wanted to breastfeed but couldn't and then those that do breastfeed will still come back and say, well, they also have felt societal judgment yeah. and shame for what they're doing. Yeah. And it's literally one of these really, really obvious beginnings of like, oh, in motherhood, actually, no matter what you do, yeah, there will be some camp that says, oh no, you're not doing it the right way. Yeah, it's or, so true. I'm going to pile judgment and shame upon you. Yeah. And it's kind of like, as individuals, depending on where you have sat in your little kind of life cycle to date and, and the mm-hmm. people around you that you've observed, depending on what they've done that have influenced the levels of guilt and shame that you're going to take on around the issue. You know, for some, as you, you, know, you, you spoke about how like, well, you saw your mother do it successfully. Yeah. You know, whereas had she bottle fed, you may not have taken on that guilt and shame. No, exactly. Exactly. And I think you're so right, because I remember even um, when I had Ted. So when Sam was my older son and and I had a really hard time and and all that stuff I just described. And so when I had Ted, I was like, I'm still going to try, but I'm going in with and I said it explicitly to my husband with like the minute that this starts to feel really bad or like, you know, it's not working or, you know, it's, it's effect. No, the minute it starts to feel like it's affecting your relationship with Ted, you need to stop. So I tried really hard. I, I, he had a tongue tie. We took him privately to get his tongue tie snipped. Like I got a lactation consultant. Like I really did everything I could, but in the end I had to make the decision that it just wasn't happening. Um, but before that, I remember in the hospital, I was the only mother on the ward who was breastfeeding. And I, I so I was the only one who was up all night with a screaming baby, like, you know, and I remember an amazing midwife in the rotunda coming into me. I was literally sitting on the bench, topless, pumping sweat, trying to get Ted to feed. And she came in and helped me and she was amazing. And she was like, oh, she's so sympathetic. And like, she was like, I remember I used to be sweating so much. And I was like, she could see that I'm sweating. <laughs> like it was awful, but she was so kind in the middle of the night. But I remember feeling jealous of the other women. And, and I think the reason I mentioned that is because I really and truly had no ju- no judgment of anyone else. Like I didn't feel judgmental of anyone who had decided that they weren't going to breastfeed because I could see that it was a lot more straightforward. <laughs> and also I, I was jealous of the freedom of that, like, mm-hmm. because it was, it was a judgment of myself. I couldn't give myself permission to do it. 
you know, whereas they could. So you're right. Like there's no right. You're never right. You're never doing the right thing. And that, and that goes for both external judgment and internal judgment, you know, like I think as mothers, we can be so unbelievably hard on ourselves. Um, and that's, you know, I never stop saying there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And that was one of the most important things I learned when I became a parent was like, no, you don't wake up the morning after you have a baby and suddenly magically have all the knowledge that you need in terms of how to parent. You are still the same person you were the day before. And you have to learn as you go and your baby has to learn as they go. And everyone is just figuring it out as they go along. So, you know, of course you're going to make mistakes because that's how you learn and that's how you figure it out. And there will be days where you put your kid to bed or they finally, finally surrender to sleep. And you feel like that was a bad day. I, I did bad things today. And, you know, I said something I'm not proud of, or I shouted loudly, or I scared him or whatever, but like, everybody has those days and you have to kind of just park it and draw a line and move on. So I guess what I'm saying is I totally agree that the external judgment comes no matter what you do and the internal judgment does too. And you have to kind of learn. I think you can't do anything about the external judgment except try and ignore it, but you have to kind of learn how to manage your internal judge in order to find peace in parenthood, I think. And she is loud. Oh yeah. Loudest. She is so loud. And, you know, anytime the conversation of breastfeeding appears in the media and it's all like, Mm. you know, lowest rates in Europe and we have to normalize breastfeeding. You're like, I don't think that's the problem. I don't I don't think people see it as normal or not normal. It's that it's really hard to do. Yeah, it's really, really, really hard to do. Mm. And in a world that hides it Mm. because, you know, whatever you're not allowed to show your tits and all this kind Mm. of nonsense and we've sexualized our bodies as opposed to being able to sit there and be like I'm really trying Mm. and it's really difficult and I need a lot of help and Mm. then I need it to be okay if I stop yeah but we don't have that there's like this whole missing piece and actually then all that happens is depending on what it is that you want in motherhood from that first day onwards Mm. We will always arrive at a challenge like that. Mm-hmm. It's just that the topic changes. Yeah. And I think another factor is that we live so differently now to even one generation ago. Like one generation ago, two generations ago, you know, you lived in a community where you knew all your neighbors, you know, you generally lived around people who were also Mm -hmm. having babies or like at similar stages in life. You probably lived near your family, your sisters, your whatever. You probably had, you know, a few siblings or cousins or whatever. Like we don't live that way anymore. It was a us, Yeah. Lots of us are really isolated. Like I, my husband went to work when Sam was born. Gordon got two weeks paternity leave. Mm -hmm. The first week was spent in the hospital because Sam was in the neonatal unit for a few days. Um, And then we had one week at home and then Gordon went back to work. And I remember that day, I remember him coming home and I was sitting in the exact same position I had been when he left that morning. And I had just spent the entire day trying to feed him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anyone to call or to, you know, call in on me or whatever. Now, maybe I wouldn't have accepted that at the time, to be honest, because I was busy trying to be a perfect parent, but like, you know, that would not have been the way. You wouldn't have had a choice. No, like culturally we've just changed so significantly. And also because of the housing market and everything, we don't get to live near our families anymore. So, you know, all of those structures of support have gone as well, which would have helped with breastfeeding or any other challenge that you have as a parent. 
But I even remember when I was growing up, every mom on the road, and this is probably, again, going back to how we opened up with the work Mm. thing, they were at home. Yeah. And we'd all be on the road Mm -hmm. and they were all just like gathered at pillars. Yeah. And and then it was like the doors were open. You'd be running in and out of different people's houses. And and it was, I mean, look, it was was pretty feral. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're that generation of women denied opportunities did they want to be standing at pillars probably not like you know so in no way am I lamenting that this was some sort of you know perfect utopia it was not but they did have friendships yeah they really did have friendships and they had key friendships that they could call upon when they needed the Mm -hmm. shower yeah you know when they needed I have to just do that pickup, but the baby is asleep when yeah. you just step into the house for a second. Yeah. It's things like that, that you're like, they're really simple, but actually mm-hmm. in the moment make a massive difference to your day. Oh, hugely. Like, I mean, even if you look at, so my biological dad died when I was three and my biological mom was an alcoholic. Um, so, and single mother, obviously after he died and I, you know, they're like, so many of my memories of until I was seven, when we moved to the States are in my neighbor's houses. And, you know, one neighbor in particular who she knows, like I I have told her this, like, I mean, she saved us basically, you know, because, and that's both at times when my mom would, would be going through a bad patch with drinking and times when she wouldn't, because, you know, she was on her own and we, you know, but, but we were so used to kind of popping into each other's, you know, to different neighbors' houses and particularly this one house that like, you know, that support was always there. So, you know, I don't know if any, you know, me, my brother or my mom would have survived without the support of the neighbors on that road, you know, but yeah, I mean, I live in a great, I have to say, I live in a great estate and, you know, during COVID in particular, we kind of got to know each other a little bit more. And I definitely have neighbors that if I was really stuck, I could ask for a little bit of help, but that's like, you know, I'm here eight years. That's eight years in. And a lot of people don't, and I'm renting and a lot of people don't get to rent somewhere for eight years. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been able to stay in one place for eight years because we rent from a family member. Like, you know, most people are turfed out. So even if you live around people who are up for making those kind of community bonds, it's not even an option. Mm-hmm. And even if you're up for being open enough around needing those bonds, being vulnerable enough to say, yeah. hi, neighbor, please come in and look at my cracked nipples, please, because yeah. I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. Like we we have a sense now of having to shield any weakness. Yeah, it's true. And still being the moms, to your husband's point, that are in the playground looking mm. as though they've got their shit together. Yeah. When we all know that we don't. We no, don't. definitely not. Definitely not. We definitely don't have not. it. And and that's something, that's one of the things that I'm I'm continuously, I suppose, learning from this new uh, identity um, mm. and really trying to exercise that feeling of like, it's it's actually more normal to not find it easy and yeah. it is more normal to not be like oh I'm fine yeah <laughs> you're not fine yeah you're not fine it's literally survival from minute to minute and you wouldn't change it and you are grateful and all of the things that yeah. like, immediately once you begin to kind of say yeah or identify or acknowledge challenge there's like this like wave again this internal voice of like you can't say that 
Mm. How dare you? How dare you take away from the joy? And it's like, can they not all live together? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not do the caveat anymore. Mm. I made a decision <laughs> yeah. after years of any time I said anything about any of the challenges of parenthood, you know, like everyone else, it would be like, obviously I'm very lucky. And, you know, I am very lucky. I consider myself exceptionally lucky because I wasn't supposed to be able to get pregnant at all uh, after having chemotherapy. And I had extremely low kind of numbers in terms of fertility, but I did. Um, and I am very lucky, but I also don't think we should have to quantify expressing our genuine feelings of struggle or um, difficulty every single time with this caveat of I'm very lucky. Like it's, it, it suggests that there's something abnormal about struggling in parenthood when, as you say, actually it's the most normal thing ever. Like, you know, we all struggle in one way or another, even the most perfect Instagram mother who appears to have it all together, the perfect house, the perfect kids, beautiful clothes, you know, you know, she definitely has bad days. She, she doesn't exist. Her temper with her children. She, she doesn't exist. Yeah. But she just doesn't post it on Instagram. This is the thing. So, you know, we have to stop kind of downplaying mm. the genuine struggle, which is just part of parenthood. You know, it's not all of parenthood. No one is suggesting that it is, but it is part of it. And, you know, to pretend like it's not, I think is, is disingenuous at best and dangerous at, at worst. But you can't do anything like this without it having challenge. Like, you know, if just because you desperately want to be that mountaineer that gets to the top of Everest does not mean that it was by any way easy. Yeah. Like there is challenge with every single step that we take. Yeah. And when you're trying to do something without failure all, yeah. the, all the time, like that's your, it's, it's that thing of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And it is also the most important thing to me to get right. Yeah. And that's but, why it's so hard. And that's why it's so hard. It's living, yeah. it's living in that state every day. Mm. where you're evaluating you're like am I good enough was that good enough mm. with a constant fear of like really not messing them up yeah and then that feeling of like well I've ruined them already yeah <laughs> I have that so often like <gasps> like we'll have a bad few weeks or we had a we had a month there over the summer where one of my kids was just acting unpleasant and I was like well that's it now that's my lovely boy gone. We've ruined it. We've ruined it already. And then like, you know, three weeks later, he was back to normal, fine again. But, you know, you are constantly on that, you know, self-assessment journey. And that in itself is tricky. I do kind of wish that there was some kind of external assessment journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'd be a lot nicer to you than you are to yourself. I think sure. so. Yeah. I think so. I think I think we are absolute worst critics. Yeah. Um. And... If we were to ask the people who are, you know, our actual bosses, our mm. children, mm. Um, I'm pretty sure they'd be happy enough with us. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, like whenever I need to kind of comfort myself, now I have a pretty dramatic story of parental struggle in my background, like from my parents, but like, or from my biological mother anyway, but like, I'm always like, you know, you feed them every day they sleep in a comfortable bed every night and even if they didn't 
Like that's, those aren't even important. What's important is they laugh every day. You know, they hug you when they're going to bed. They, you know, they are children being able to live innocent children's lives. And that's success, I think. Like, you know, if your kids are are laughing and their needs are met, you're doing well. And if they say you laughing and that your needs are met. Yeah. I really do feel like you're doing even better for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do too. I mean, but that's the challenge, isn't it? It's like, you know, my kids um, are giving me grief a lot at the moment. Like anytime I go anywhere without them, which as I say, isn't like a huge amount. Toilet for a shower. Well, no, I don't, I just don't get to do that. That's (laughs) not, still not an option. How unrealistic of me to suggest. Honestly, so often I hear my husband going, well, you just leave her alone. She's just trying to go to the toilet. And they're like, I just need to, like, that's, it's just not, doesn't happen. Um, No, but I mean, if I have to go to a work event in the evening or, you know, if I, if I'm going to see a friend or whatever, you know, I try, I'm trying to really explain you know, where I'm going and why I'm doing it. So like, you know, if I'm going to a work event, it's, this is where I'm going. This is why it's important to my work. Um, And I work because uh, we need to earn money so that we can pay for our house and our food, but also because I really like working and it makes me feel good Mm -hmm. because I want them to grow up knowing that work isn't a punishment or like, you know, that, that they can hopefully work in something that they enjoy and that makes them feel good. But then also that like, if I'm going to socialize it, you know, I'll say it's really important to see your friends. Like it makes you feel good to see your friends. It makes you feel happy to see your friends. And, you know, when do you see your friends? And they'll say, oh, I see my friends, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, yeah, and don't you like that? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, well, mom needs to do that too. I'm trying to help them to understand that, you know, no decisions about, you know, me being away from them are ever made casually, like, you know, that they're important and that every person needs these things, you know, and that they need to see their friends. And if that's not happening for them, then we need to work on that, you know? Um, so I suppose that's kind of my parental tactic is to try and be as honest as possible and give us the appropriate amount of information, but as much of the appropriate amount of information that you can. I go on play dates. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's it. Mommy it's, has a play date tonight. I'm going yeah. on a play date. And it's like met it. and it's totally met with like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I might they take get that. It. Yeah. They get it. They're I'm like, still not over the use of the term play date though, to be honest. I haven't quite <laughs> come to terms with it. Why? What's it's your still, it still feels very American to me, you know? And I say that having lived in America for 10 years. <laughs> but I suppose that's where we are now. Yeah, I, I just like anything that has a shortcut to them yeah. understanding. Oh, no. Where we're I at. mean, I think you using it in that context is is brilliant, like absolutely inspired. And then there'll be how long will you be gone for? And I, I use the duration of their favorite program. So I it's like, I, yeah. will, I will be back in two episodes of My Little Pony. Mm. And then it's like, yeah, OK. Yeah, I've got it. That's and that obviously great. that only works with my five-year-old. My my one-year-old it just will scream at the door. Um, mm. Mama back. Yeah, Mama you're back. still Mama still back. in the thick Mama of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're like that, uh, beginning to kind of see some little 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 glimmers of of hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's hard. I think I think you know lockdowns did not make that that easier and in some no. ways may have actually reenacted the bonds that should have been always there when you just get to sit at home with your baby for you know mm. years on end mm. uninterrupted um but it's it's certainly hard now to kind of 
unvelcro. Yeah. The koala. Yeah, definitely. And be like, okay, I can even just the logistics of getting yourself out the door. It's like everything has just lost its rhythm. Yeah. Um, but but to your point, when you can and when you do feel like you, I always come home better for them. Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's it's crucial because otherwise you just feel trapped. And that's not good for anyone. That just no. breeds resentment, which, you know, nobody wants. <laughs> nobody wants. There are many things. There are many things I want to feel in this parenting, but resentment is probably not one of them. <laughs> Although I still resent the lack of sleep and mm. men's nipples. But that's another story. Um, Louise, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I love your openness in being able to talk about the challenge, but also like the talking in a way that gives us permission to just silence the shame and guilt because, God, there's enough of it out there. Why? Oh, why do we listen to ourselves as well like dial it down we're doing we're the loudest incredible voice incredible jobs incredible jobs i agree let's listen to the good stuff that we tell ourselves um, yeah. and dial it up because and if not maybe ask our kids maybe tonight ask our kids is is do you love mommy and if they say yes and they will say yes then you know yeah you know. yeah thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients and nothing else and are plastic free, meaning you can do what's best for your baby's skin and the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Louise McSharry on Instagram.